You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. when you're out finding adventure together. And the new Santa Fe is designed to help you get more out of that quality time. The Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV with intuitive technology. The newly designed Santa Fe offers H-Track all-wheel drive capability, intuitive tech, and safety features to get you where you're going with confidence and the personalized style to do it your own way. An SUV with family fun in mind that proves that out together is truly better. It's got H-Track all-wheel drive, dynamic safety features, dual blind spot view monitor, and user profiles with a 10.25-inch full-touch infotainment screen. To learn more, go to Hyundai.com. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. In this episode, we are doing a Sundance recap. That's right. The 2021 Sundance Film Festival is upon us and it is currently happening right now during this broadcast. And we are delighted to talk to one of the actors featured in one of the many films that are playing at the festival. Idella Johnson, in our very first segment, is in the film Ma Bell, My Beauty. I have a one-on-one conversation with her in her first feature film playing at Sundance. In our second segment, Ryan joins me to talk about the films that we have screened at Sundance so far. Even though the festival is still happening and doesn't end until the 3rd of February, we talk about what we have watched so far and the films that we look forward to watching and content that you should be looking forward to seeing coming up soon here on blackgirlnerds.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode, this Sundance Film Festival-filled episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and I'm your host. Yes, I'm your host. I know often you hear Ryan doing these episodes, but I'm really excited to bring to you in this segment of our show a guest that is actually featured in one of the many films that hopefully some of you listeners will get to see. And if you're not um, going to be able to virtually attend Sundance, then um, hopefully you'll hear about it and maybe even see later on down the road. Um, As part of our Sundance coverage here at Black Girl Nerds, I am proud to present to you this first interview and a series of interviews that we'll be doing on our publication uh, with actor Idella Johnson. 
She is in the film called Ma Belle, My Beauty, um, which is making its debut at the festival this year. Adela, thank you so much for coming on the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So um, first and foremost, uh, I understand we talked a little bit about um, you before we started recording. This is your first Sundance, I understand, and your first film. So what what has this experience been like for you so far? Yes, it's my first it's my first Sundance experience. Um, it's not my first film, but it's my first lead role oh, in first a feature lead role. film. Okay, <laughs> and um, you know what a way to kind of <laughs> start off with a bang. Yeah, but um, yeah, what was your question? I'm sorry. Well, what what what's been for someone that's never been to Sundance? I'm I'm sure this is probably the this experience for you is going to be a little unique from everyone else that's sort of had to weather the coldness of going to Park City every year. Um, but what what has this experience been for you so far? Just, you know, being a lead in this, you know, film that's debuting at one of the biggest film festivals of the year. What's just been sort of, you know, the hubris of having this experience and being a part of such a prestigious festival? Um, it's amazing, actually. I um, when we found out about it, I was so excited, um, nervous, you know, anxious. <laughs> um, it's 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 a dream come true, actually. You know, as a kid, you know, um, when I was dreaming about all of this and being an actor and, and everything, Sundance was something I found out about, and um, definitely. Um, started to, you know, have visions of myself being at Sundance in a film, um, but just didn't think, you know, it would happen like this, like so quick, you know, um, yeah. but, you know, it's a dream come true. I'm uber excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy for you. Uh, what what led you to, to work on the project Ma Bell, My Beauty? Well, actually, interesting um, story here. Um, I was um, featured in a, um, a, another film. It was a short film at the New Orleans Film Festival and um, called Blood Runs Down, uh, written and directed by Xander Shea Brown. Um, and the, the director and writer of My Belle, My Beauty, um, saw the film. After the film, we were hanging out and she was standing on uh, the balcony and I just noticed this woman just staring at me (laughs) (laughs) and the energy just pulling me. And then eventually we kind of like closed in ranks and, you know, she told me that she enjoyed the film and she would like to... Um, tell me about a project that she's working on and that she think that I would be great for. And she asked me, but first I want to ask you, what do you think about polyamory? (laughs) Wow. And I was like, well, I'm like, you know, it sounds very interesting. You know, I've I've never experienced polyamory, uh, polyamorous relationship, but, um, you know, it's very interesting and very intriguing you know, the idea of it and everything. And, and uh, she was like, well, that's what the film is about. And she would 
love, you know, if I, if she and I can meet together and um, talk more about it. And we had several meetings um, and it was like this collaborative thing that she kind of wrote this character, um, you know, not based on me, but, but like she kind of wrote this character just, you know, from uh, build the, build more of the character just from our meetings. Um, so um, it was really exciting. <laughs> yeah. So not, not knowing much about polyamory and obviously not being in a polyamorous relationship yourself, did you um, study about what polyamorous uh, relationships are all about and, you know, what that Yes, I did. Uh, experience. I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and me and the me and the me and the director and writer, uh, me and Mar- Marion, we talked a lot about it, you know. And I did my research, and um, and we would just went from there. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. There's so many exciting careers in computing, and you can open up those doors by learning computer science online with Oregon State University. Oregon State eCampus is an innovative provider of online education, renowned for its expertise in delivering computer science programs to students around the world. As an Oregon State student online, you'll learn computer programming fundamentals, software engineering, and web development plus other skills that translate to any career field and are in demand in virtually every industry worldwide. And know that Oregon State is committed to helping its computer science students find and accept competitive job offers even before they graduate. See for yourself why Oregon State eCampus is consistently ranked in the nation's top 10 by US News and World Report. Accelerate your career today. Visit ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash nerds to learn more. That's ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash nerds. That's ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash nerds. You know, this is a pretty, um, well, actually, before I jump into that question, share with us the journey because your character's name is Birdie. Share with us the journey your character Birdie goes through in this film. From the beginning um, of the film, um, you kind of get the sense that, you know, there's um, a kind of a settling down um, in a new place. My character Birdie, she's from New Orleans. She's lived in New Orleans all her life. She's a musician. She's a singer. She travels to France with her new husband. And she's adjusting to the culture. But also while adjusting to the culture, she's dealing with some depression and trying to get herself back on track, you know, with um, her talent, her art, you know, because uh, one of the reasons why they moved to France because they wanted to tour and, you know, do their music and just be in a different place, different setting. Um, my character was in, a, both my character and her husband, they were in a relationship, a polyamorous relationship with 
the other female character, uh, Lane, who joins them, who surprise comes for a surprise visit, actually. And um, it kind of opens up this, the backstory of kind of what, 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 what was and what is now. My character, she knows what she wants. Uh, she knows what she don't want. And she's kind of in that place of trying to navigate how to get back to herself, you know. And she's a strong mm -hmm. character. She's a strong character. Um, her journey, I would say, is one where she is fighting for that freedom and who she is and how she wants to live her life throughout the story. Um and the story and and just love navigating love you know what that means yeah. and what that looks like for her you know and the people that she loves so it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting journey it's a very complex one you know but i think it's relatable yeah. to all of us you know uh relationships and love sexuality is something that we all are trying to figure out and navigate the different nuances of it. And, you know, and I think my character represents that. That's, I, I love the fact that it's, you said that it's very relatable because even though it is a polyamorous relationship, which, you know, is very unique and maybe not everybody can identify with that. It is a very universal story and that relationships are yeah. complicated and Bertie goes through these moments in the story that I found was very relatable where, you know, she kind of has some resentment to, um, you know, issues with the past. And then, you know, she kind of sees her past lover kind of engaging with a new lover. And then there's some mm -hmm. jealousy there. And, you know, so there's there's these moments um, where you just you do connect with Bertie on that level. And and. I, I was very curious to know your perspective on just the framing of this story, because again, it is unique, but it's an interracial polyamorous relationship, which is not something we see quite often. So why do you think that's important to see those kinds of stories? I think it's important because it's, although it's, new to film and new to it's a, it's, it's something that we haven't seen on screen. It's something that happens. Um, I think it's important because no matter who you love, love is love, you know? And I think it's important to just to be able to see the way, the way this film was framed though. I think it's, it's important to, be able to see the the different cultures and how they easily go, you know, connect. Um, I feel that the the interracial side of it um, is very interesting. It's very interesting. The the character Fred was written in such a way where I feel that was also another fresh take on ro the role in the relationship, you know? 
um, more of like so providing that emotional support, providing um, that care, you know, um, that you would normally yeah. see in film, the female character, you know? So yeah. just all of those different things, uh, they happen in real life, but you just don't really see them, you know, in movies and films. And I think it was very interesting that she cast me as a black woman um, in this interracial relationship, in a relationship with someone who's from a different culture, um, you right. know. And a, and a queer relationship at that. Yeah. Yeah. All of these identities. And one, I, I love and that. one thing it's I so want rich. to just add to that is that one thing I thought was is really important is the sense of freedom in it. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's a there's a sense of freedom in it that that I find just very intriguing and very um, important for people to see, you know, and to just kind of grab hold to that, you know. I I noticed that I noticed that none of the other characters in the story really judged this relationship. Right. There didn't there didn't seem to be any kind of judgment. So there, there was some freedom in that. And I don't know if that was a cultural thing. I mean, I guess I should ask you, was that a, a cultural thing? Cause I, I can't see a story like this playing out in a U S and American kind of story. Um, I don't know. Um, I would say, I, I don't know if it was like in a Southern town yeah, somewhere um, that these characters would be like, around and everybody well, would just be like- at a table. Like the scene where they're all together at the table, you know, mm-hmm. and the family, yeah, the friends, you know. I'm just curious: is that something that you think would play out in an American story? I, I don't know, but I, what I can say is, I'm being being from New Orleans, um, <laughs> um, being from New Orleans, like you know, things kind of get monotonous, you know, and. Um, I'm I'm just I'm unsure if it would actually just play out the way it did, but I think that I think that's where we want to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think we all right. could kind of like strive to get to that point, you know, where we can be accepting and just a non-judgmental of what makes people happy and what how people love and you know I. So I don't know. I don't know if it would. I mean, I'm I'm willing to say that hopefully that's where we are striving to get to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd hope it would play out that way in more American stories. I mean, um, because a film like this is so unique and we just mm-hmm. don't see that. And uh, uh, that's why this movie is so important. I, I, hopefully, uh, you know, obviously this is playing at Sundance um, in front of a you know, limited audience, but I, I definitely hope that, you know, obviously Sundance is a marketplace and, uh, you know, the film's looking for a buyer. I, I, I hope it gets the distribution that it deserves and gets to a wider audience because uh, folks need to Thank see you. these kinds of stories. Because um, this is this is a real, these polyamorous, poly, polyamorous relationships, these are, these are real yeah. life stories. Yeah. And uh, I just, yeah, I think it, it was just very refreshing. It was just very refreshing. I felt, you know, when we yeah. got to, to France and just playing this character, I learned so much, 
I learned so much from just playing this character and I and I take a lot of the lessons with me. One one thing in particular is just being accepting and and of what I want, you know, and not feeling that you know, not paying so much attention to the judge the judgments, you know. And just right. standing in that. Standing in that. That that do you feel yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'll step on you. <laughs> do do you feel like it helped grow you as an actor and maybe even, you know, maybe sort of expanded your horizons a little bit more? Because you mentioned before that you didn't know much about um the polyamorous community. Did it sort of open and expand your horizons a little bit after taking on this I mean, role? It did. It did. Um, I mean, not, not in terms of I didn't jump into a polyamorous relationship right afterwards, but <laughs> I, will say, <laughs> I will say it it made me more aware and more, more open and I don't know. It made me just appreciate you know love in all its many forms you know just made me just gave me a a new sense of appreciation and maybe even perhaps um like you said like being like less judgmental and which I never was a judgmental person I never you know I've never really been a judgmental person but I um it was just I think it's so much that that so I we can be so close-minded sometimes, you know? Yeah. So I yeah. think my mind has expanded a lot. Yeah. I I loved listening to you sing in this film. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and it looked like you had a great time in those scenes. Can you tell me about filming those moments? I had a wonderful time. I had a wonderful time. Even, even the times that seem emotional or in, you know, those, those moments, I I had a great time filming this. Um, the, the moment when we did the, the singing scene, it was, I felt like I was in among friends and family and it just, I felt like, man, this, this is what it's about, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, I mean, who could ask for anything more or better than this to just be here, just being, you know, just being and taking, taking in the moment and, and being fully present. So every, every scene I, I made it a point to just be fully present, just be fully open and like I said, me and the, the director, we 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 talked a lot, and we worked on the emotional arc and the background and story, and and so whenever it was time to shoot certain scenes, she and I would have a talk, you know, a little talk, and we would say, okay, this is. She said, you know, we we had we had it we had it leveled one, two, or three, you know, <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, it was so much fun doing that, you know. I just, I, I just think it was just, I couldn't ask for a better experience. 
Awesome. So to wrap this up, um, you know, speaking of experience, Sundance, obviously this year is going to be a different experience for all of us. Um, what what will be your experience at Sundance? Are you doing any panels, any Q and A's? What yeah. what is your plan? Yeah, so we have, for Sundance? We have a live Q and A right after the film. Um, we also have an in person satellite screening here in New Orleans. Um, so that's going to be fun too. We have a live Q and A after that. I am going to um, see a couple of films. I'm not sure which ones yet, but um, I'm actually spending time um, by the writer and director's house and we're going to do a couple of panels and stuff like that together. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, this was such an amazing conversation. It was really a pleasure talking you talking to you today. Thank you. Uh, and please, guys, if you're listening, if you do have a chance to attend Sundance, please watch this movie. It's beautiful. It's brilliant. It's such a compelling story. And, you know, when you see all these reboots and these remakes being made, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's good to have a change of, of pace every once in a while and get something that's refreshing and original. And uh, Ma Bell, My Beauty is certainly it. Um, and Idella gives a incredible performance in this film. So thank you for your work. Really thank appreciate you. it. I mean, um, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No problem. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. This was great. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and I guess I'm actually your host this episode. Hey, she's the host. She's the head Black Girl Nerd in charge. We'll put it like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, you know, I'm actually hosting this segment. This is a follow-up segment to our first one where we... Um, where I actually, in fact, had a chance to interview Idella Johnson, who is the star of a film called Ma Bell, My Beauty. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Sundance 2021. So we're going to expand on talking about her film as well as other films uh, that has been featured at this year's festival. And I am so excited to talk with Ryan, who's really you know, the unsung hero of the Black Girl Nerds podcast, you know, because you usually hear her voice. So, Ryan, thanks for talking all things Sundance with me today. You're welcome. Anytime. Like I said, you got to come when the when the head Black Girl and Nerd calls you. So you got to come and do the, do the co-hosting thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive right on into this. You know, Sundance uh, 2021 this year, a little different, a little different than uh, yeah. previous uh, Yeah, a lot different, maybe. As you guys are familiar that, um, for those of you that have been following Black Girl Nerds for some time, we cover Sundance each year. We've been covering it now for about four years, Mm -hmm. and um, this year it's virtual. So no, no... snowy park city utah for for us no no freezing our butts off in the snow for us this year but um it it is kind of nice that they made this a virtual experience and kind of still incorporated a lot of the same 
events and, um, you know, activities that you would likely experience if you were in Park City. Uh, so we'll dive into that. But I really want to talk more about the films that we watched at Sundance and just kind of start with day one. So day one for me, I watched the premiere of this film called Coda. And Coda is actually, Coda is making some history at Sundance because uh, Apple purchased it. So for Uh those that aren't familiar, Sundance is a marketplace for movies. Basically, these independent films are vying for the attention of distributors to be bought and, you know, obviously sold to later on be distributed to either a studio for a theatrical release or now streaming to be streamed on, you know, either Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, et cetera. Well, Coda was bought by Apple for $25 million, which is the wow. highest. Wow. I mean, that's, for that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And it was good. It's actually my favorite film of Sundance so far. It stars mm-hmm. Marlon Matlin. Um, the the deaf actress who we all know who um, has done some stellar work Um, and uh, the actor I I don't remember the name of the uh, actress that is the lead character but she is in a family of um, her both of her parents are deaf her brother is deaf but Uh she can hear and she has this desire to sing so it's just this lighthearted comedy. Her her family members are quirky and interesting and unique. Um, and it, it it's just really sort of a breath of fresh air in comparison to a lot of the other films that I've watched at Sunday. <laughs> um, so Coda is was was really brilliant and congrats to them for getting bought by Apple for, you know, twenty five million stacks. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really dope. Yeah, when you get Apple to spend some money, you in there. Absolutely. Um, and then after that, uh, when I, what was it? That same day, I watched Summer of Soul, which if you go to blackgirlnerds.com, please read our review from Kat. Kat did a stellar review of Summer of Soul. Um, the what? Well, it's got a really long title. It, I'm going to just call it Summer of Soul. <laughs> <laughs> It's got this really long title. I should say the whole title. I'm trying to look. Yeah, I was trying to look it up while you were talking because I'm trying to go through as you're talking. Look at some of these films. I know Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Ah, gotcha. Okay, okay. Um, But Questlove, who we know from the roots, you know, Questlove. You know, he was recently in Soul. You know, we interviewed him on Black Girl Nerds for that. That's a really Um, good movie too, by the way. Yes, wasn't Soul brilliant? Yeah, it was was really good. Yeah. So he, this is his directorial debut, uh, and this is a documentary, and it's basically about the um, Harlem Cultural Festival. I, I might have the name, I might not have the name accurate, but it's basically like the black version of, of Woodstock uh, yep. back in the 60s in Harlem, and uh, it was great. I actually watched it with my mom, and you know that was her era, so she loved it. She loved seeing <laughs> <laughs> some of those performances from her favorite Motown artists and um it was just fun to watch and kind of we you know I want to flex a little bit on this but it was great to um when we did post the review on the Black Girl Nerds uh Twitter account we got a retweet from Don Porter um what? who if you guys 
Yeah. If you, for those of you who are listening that don't know who Don Porter is, very well-respected, known documentary filmmaker. She did John Lewis Good Trouble documentary, The Way I See It. So she retweeted it saying, I got to see this film and retweeted our article. So that just kind of, you know, made me feel like, okay, you know, all right. Got yeah, I like that. You got to flex on that one. I like that one. Yeah, you know, respected documentary filmmaker retweeting about a documentary review um, from Sundance. So that was great. Um, so, yeah. So what what did you get to watch? Um, what was a film that you got to see? Because I don't want to be doing all of the talking. I know you didn't get to see as I mean, as see, actors, Jamie but... has an inside scoop, you guys. That's why I love just letting her go. And I'm just sitting here listening because she has all the inside scoop on all the different films and everything. Um, but I did, um, I, my days kind of blended together. I don't so much have like a day one sort of thing, but, um, I checked out Superior. That was the first film I did. Um, and by the way, if you guys go to Black Girl Nerds IG page, you can see, uh, Mia Coffrey Henry. She's a cinematographer for it. And she gave us all the cool little secrets and stuff on how they had to film this drama slash thriller. So black guys, female. Yes, black female. Black. Yep. I should, yep. I always say that off the top. Yeah, black female. That definitely diversity in this film. So yeah, definitely go check this out. Um, but yeah, so if you're looking for the drama thriller, this was kind of two twins, um, Mary and Vivian, who are um very drastically different and are trying to meet back up in seven years. And this kind of when it first started, that's why I had so much fun talking with the cinematographer Mia, because when it first starts, it kind of throws you off a little bit. Cause you start right off the top with the drama you know, with the, with the murder, like it's very deadly off the top and you're like, what's going on? What's happening? So, but yeah, you kind of get drawn in by like the darkness of the film, just uh, mentally and the way it looks. And so, yeah, it's, it's a really cool adventure. I don't want to spoil it too much in case you guys can, like Jamie said, go back and find it later. Cause all this stuff is online and streaming it. But um, yeah, it's just, it's a really cool look at trying to get away from your past and you know bringing family into your drama sometimes where you don't mean to but it's just the person that you can lean on the only person you know to go to sometimes so yeah it's a it's a really cool film that was actually by the way in 2015 it was a short film that they put out and got really good response with it um director Aaron Vassilopoulos hopefully I'm pronouncing her name right she um her and Mia hooked up again for this after they did the short film so it's cool to kind of see to see what they did with it and made it into a feature and the feedback and everything they've been getting about it. So yeah, if you like the drama, the thrillers, this will definitely have you on the edge of your seat. There's a lot of mystery, some answers. I think they still kind of don't really give you towards the end, which I think a lot of people maybe kind of like, and hopefully they'll do another one. So yes, yeah, it's, it's really cool. If you guys are into that kind of thing. That, that was, I feel like that's the theme of all of these Sundance movies that I've seen is answers or questions that you just don't get answers to. yeah yeah they did a lot of that yeah they definitely wanted like and I didn't know if they were trying to do that on purpose where it was like maybe these these filmmakers these creators have something else up their sleeve they want to do but it was yeah it was very much like okay I'm waiting Ooh, you didn't give me that answer but I guess I'll keep waiting for it that that was how it was for me um watching this movie called John in the Hole so mm, that was on yeah too and um I thought it was weird it was very different. I'm a little ambivalent on how I feel about the film. I don't mm-hmm. hate it. But I don't like it. Um, it basically Michael C. Hall is in it, who I absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about this kid who throws his entire family in a hole. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it, it's like it's a it's basically this this bunker that is in their backyard. Uh, that apparently was there 
that's been there for you know decades or whatever and um yeah he throws them in there the film doesn't really explain why he does it what his you know mo is mm-hmm. um his older sister Thaisa farmiga who i love i actually had a chance to interview her for the nun some time back um she's in it and um it, it, it's just a very weird uncanny kind of story where we just don't again more more questions than answers with this kid and this deranged thinking of putting your family in a bunker and um you know he feeds them and he he gives them you know blankets and stuff like that but he keeps them there yeah (laughs) and tortures them you know so it's so it's like a really bad reverse home alone yeah (laughs) you know like when he because i still can't get over the fact that they left him up in the attic and nobody said anything but i mean hey i guess if you get that mad you just put the rest of your family in the hole and you leave right right yeah that's that's a good way of putting it a a a reverse home alone yeah yeah so (laughs) but yeah that is crazy that's crazy that's a film man all right yeah, yeah. And it's so funny because Michael C. Hall in the Q&A actually said that this movie isn't supposed to, you know, give you a lot of answers. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't like. Yeah, I, I don't really I, like that either. But I, I, at least he tried to prepare us. He tried. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh-uh. um, there's this other movie that I actually did like. It's my second favorite movie of Sundance called Censor. Now, if you're into horror, You'll love it. If you're not into horror, then you might want to skip it. If you're a chicken, what about if you're a chicken like me? Can I watch it and not be scared or do I have to have all the lights on? I think, okay, you, so it's more like blood gore. Okay, 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 okay. Because it's basically about this woman who's a film censor that watches these like snuff movies and her job is to, you know, be the person that decides to ban these these movies um but um when she was a child uh her and her sister was playing out in the woods one day and her sister mysteriously disappears um and Mm -hmm. as she's an adult she's still haunted by the disappearance of her sister well Mm -hmm. one day she comes across a video tape one one of the movies that she has to censor has to you know review and the film actually plays out like the day that her sister disappeared in the woods um, when they were playing. So now she's yeah. on this mission to find out about the movie, who directed it. Um, and then it just goes into this really weird uh, journey of her going into this descent to madness. Um, but it's actually really good the way they do it. It's got this nice 1980s aesthetic to it. Um, female director um, props to you know her because you don't really see many women directors in the horror movie genre mm-hmm. um, so yeah I, I, I thought it was just brilliant the way um, it kind of all came together again one of those endings where you're just like what I don't know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't really kind of um, tie everything up in a nice bow but you know sometimes people like that you know hitch cocky and i guess um ending to their 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 movies and and i guess that was what she chose with this but overall i i really enjoyed watching it yeah they want to see how many people they can get to go crazy on social media like why you didn't tell what happened you didn't give us an answer (laughs) yeah so that one that one was um that was pretty intense um 
And then I watched uh, this movie by Gerard Carmichael. It was his directorial debut um, on the count of three. Hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I didn't know. Listen, when you said on the count of three, I thought you were about to count and then give the title. I didn't know it was going to be on the count. That was pretty funny. (laughs) That's yeah. That's the name of the movie. Um, it's about these two guys that are on the count of three because the the, the scene starts out. It's these two guys that are friends, yeah. and very first scene they have guns pointed to each other's heads, and on the count of three they are supposed to shoot each other. Okay. Oh my gosh, um, that that sounds really yeah. bad. Okay. So they're both you know depressed, suicidal. Um, Mm. obviously at the very beginning of the film they don't kill each other because then what else would you have left right, like that was the right. opening scene um but um after after that scene ends uh we realize one of the characters played by Christopher Abbott who by the way we interviewed here on Black Girl Nerds for Black Bear mm-hmm. um he uh is a mental health patient who 3 days prior did try to kill himself but it was a failed attempt and then his friend, played by Gerard Carmichael, um, is also just down and out, depressed, and wants to end his life. He just is not happy with his life anymore. So Gerard Carmichael's character wants to break his friend out of jail, uh, not out of jail, <laughs> break his friend <laughs> out of the mental institution where he's staying in mm-hmm. and decide to go on um, this you know, sort of journey to try to kill themselves but um instead uh he decides christopher abbott's character he decides well you know what there's actually more to life than i realize now that i'm outside of this mental psych ward and i want to see what it's all about so that's kind of where the movie's journey starts is you know him wanting to find out more um i think what i didn't like about it is uh, there was l- no chemistry between Gerard Carmichael's character and Christopher Abbott. By the way, mm-hmm. I wrote a review on yeah. Black Hole Nerds, so you can read um, what I thought about it. Um, but it, it, it's supposed to be a comedy. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be a dark comedy. Um, obviously, Gerard Carmichael, he's a comedian. He had the Carmichael show. Uh, writers from the the script um, worked on the Carmichael show, also the show Rami. I just, it, it wasn't funny. There were punchlines delivered. I didn't laugh. Um I just the movie did not connect with me in any way, so um, unfortunately, it was just no, it was a miss for me. Yeah, and it sounds um, very dangerous. You know how uh, just uh, and I guess you could say that about any kind of media, but to me, it feels so dangerous that kind of stuff um, because you're just like you hope the wrong person isn't watching it, and you're just like, yeah, uh, like I get it, but you like at the same time you're like, oh, please don't let the wrong person be watching this. It's a slippery slope, this genre, because yeah. other films have done it before. And I'm, I reference it in my review, like the movie Heathers sort of did that where yeah. they mm-hmm. played the idea of suicide mm-hmm. and made it a dark comedy. But Heathers did it in a way that actually worked. It was funny. It was quirky. It was different. Mm-hmm. And it still resonates today. People still talk about Heathers. It's a cult classic. I don't think people are going to be talking about this movie 10, 15 20 years from now you know the way people talk about others so that's why i'm just like you got to be careful with this genre personally i think on the count of three like um the i thought the writing and the plot 
was very substantive. Mm-hmm. And I think that had they taken the comedic element out of it, there probably could have been, it probably could have been a better film because there's yeah. elements of both of these characters' histories that um, opened up, you know, a lot of issues that led to their depression that I thought was very important. Um, but because they r- kind of wanted to wrap this up into a comedy, mm-hmm. it was missed. And um, yeah, it just, they just completely missed their target, I think, with the way they executed it. So, yeah. Yeah, they had a lot of those that kind of hit you. Yeah, this this one, um, I'll, I'll piggyback off yours here so we can kind of get the ones that kind of hit you a little bit off the top. Yep. <laughs> This one, uh, this one wasn't. This one was done well. It just still kind of packed a punch. Where it's like you kind of wonder how some people kind of feel about it now because we've seen it so much. Was which is a shame, by the way. But it's called Black Bodies, um, by Kelly uh, Fife Marshall and black director. By the way, got to mention that black female director. She, um, she's in, she's social activist, and this was kind of based off. Um, I believe in California, she had an incident with three of her peers. So this kind of bounced off of that, but it's, it's, you know, four or five minutes. So it's not too long that they are pulling you into it, but it opens off very much hitting you in the face, you know, with seeing actual black bodies on the ground and they kind of, you kind of have this character going through, you know, a, a kind of soliloquy a little bit talking about his struggle and the fear of black men, black people in general. So, you know, it's another one of those things that kind of hits you off the, hits you off the top. There are a lot of I like a lot of the, um, I guess, statements, if you will, or things they point about, point out about the fear of black people and what's kind of going on in our heads now. But it's it is a lot to handle. Like if you if you've been through, you know, about the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that we've been going through now, it's kind of one of those things where it's kind of like you got to pick when you want to watch it, maybe because it is very heavy, very topic. And and the and it's another one of those things where it's like we pretty much know the answer, but it's another one of those films, those short films where it ends and you're like. Oh, it kind of left you feeling like, mm, is this really, is there a hope there was my thing. So it, it, it's like I said, it's one of those things where you have to pick when you want to watch it. Like if you're, if you're in that activist mode, if you're in that, you know, you want something to kind of wake you up, shock you back into it. That's what this short kind of did, kind of does. So, yeah, but I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all, but yeah, it's just kind of getting you mentally prepared for what we're continuing to go through in this country pretty much as you know, with racism and all that kind of stuff. So. Sounds very relevant to what, you know, we're going through. And it yeah, seems yeah. like a timely film to watch. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it talks about, and you know, of course, police brutality, gun violence, so y'all, that kind of stuff. We reviewed that film on Black Girl Nerds, by the way, too. Oh, I there you believe, go. Yeah, um, Kelly Fife Marshall's film, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that played at um, at the American Black Film Festival at ABFF. Okay, so I think it played yeah. at... Um, uh, the Toronto International Film Festival Zoo last year, so okay. yeah, it's making it's making okay. us rounds. Okay, it maybe it was Tiff. I I know we reviewed it for one of those festivals. You know they run all together, right? For me, yeah, so. these festivals do come back to back, especially now that they're virtual. It's like, man, my mind is not as sharp as it used to be. Guys, <laughs> so I, but we did, yeah, we did review that film for Black Girl Nerd, so um, definitely check that out. But yeah. Um, Props to her though for um, getting that into some pretty prestigious festivals. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, do you want to do? You want to kind of shift gears here now and make it a little bit like this is this is this film was still a little bit on the edge for me where I was kind of like, mm, where are you going with this one? But I'm talking about my Bell and my beauty. But I'll let Jamie start off too because Jamie, you have the I think you have the good deets, and then I just got the vent part of this. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. The good deets. <laughs> well, um, so, you know, you'll hear the first segment of the podcast. I'm sure obviously, um, Idella and I, we go into, you know, her role and her contribution to the film, which was absolutely lovely. You know, mm. this film was very different, very unique, um, yeah, film to yeah. watch. And it's not something, um, that you would typically see. Obviously you're seeing polyamorous, uh, characters, polyamorous relationships, queer characters, mm-hmm. interracial characters. Um, so I, I just thought that that was sort of a breath of fresh air because it's just kind of rare that you see yeah. in cinema. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. So that was that was that was something just very unique. And then just um, seeing it from like them living in a different country, from a, a different kind of cultural experience. Um, and you know, I even talked with Idella about would a film like this be, would a story rather like this play out in the South in the United States? Because Idella, she's from New Orleans, you know, and okay. she's like, I'm not sure about that, you know, because yeah. I personally, I I don't know if this story could play out in in the South in the United States. I I don't think because there's there's parts of the film where. You know, all of them are sitting together as friends at the dinner table and everybody is sort of just accepting of uh, these people that are in these, you know, in this polyamorous relationship or formerly Mm -hmm. they were in a polyamorous relationship and everybody is just kind of cool with it. Yeah. And I don't know. I think even today, even in 2021, that's still a controversial thing. I mean, what do you think, Ryan? Would you? Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. Yeah, that's that's what I would kind of think about it too, where I agree where, yeah, that polyamorous relationship where you're just, um, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very weird because you kind of take a pause sometimes when you look at it, but there, therein lies why it's important to have a film like that, you know, where yeah. it, it kind of makes you think about something different, a new situation. But yeah, in the South, yeah, I don't think, yeah, they wouldn't have got as, as easy, which is a shame, but they wouldn't have been able to sit, I feel like, at a dinner table with it being known too, you know what I mean? If you were hiding right. it and nobody knew and you just kind of sitting down, you're like, oh, hey, this is my friend from whatever out of town or whatever. Nobody's going to think about it. But, yeah, to have it as free as they were, you know, with this background being in France and them, like Jamie saying, able to sit down with their friends and everything. And, yeah, it, that was yeah, that was definitely a breath, of, a breath of fresh air that you will not see in the States, in the South, especially so. Absolutely. Yeah, it was definitely different. But yeah, I thought it was cool, like having that having that black female character too, which I kind of felt of her as the main, and then kind of playing between these two love interests was very interesting. Hmm. I mean, um, her boyfriend, by the way, was fine. I just wanted exactly. to add that. Exactly. I was like, this is what was throwing me off. Where I was confused here because I was just like, okay, so he's cute. Or was it her husband? Right. Her, I think it was her husband. It was her husband. But he was like, I feel like he maybe he just got so tired of what was going on where he was like, okay, this is just for the, you know, the singing in there in the band. Yeah. Maybe he just was like chalking it up to that. But yeah, she had me terribly because I'm like, girl, what is going on with you right now? But yeah, she was just not like she was just on the other other side and she was like, well, you know, her other, you know, Lane showed up and she was just like, well, you know, Fred, he's all right. He's just here. Yeah, I mean, she came across as confused to me too. Yeah. Not about her sexuality, but just about who she was in love with. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah, 
ultimately she wanted to be in a relationship with because basically you know she was once in this polyamorous relationship with um her now husband and with this other woman um but i think her mother died and um you know her i guess she ended up breaking away from the relationship with the other woman and ended up staying with her now husband Mm -hmm. so um her then girlfriend now comes back into the picture and there's still some you know sexual tension there uh so she seems to still want that and you know that i guess that that romantic history that they had but yeah i there there were some moments where again going back to the theme of sundance in these movies where there were more questions than answers. yeah there was so many questions i was like what that's how this film was gonna end but yeah it was so many questions where i was just like okay maybe she was and then it was like sometimes where you thought she wasn't confused anymore but then she was still confused yeah yeah and again like we're not saying she was confused about her sexuality she was right, confused right. about who she wanted to who she was in love with yeah yeah um, ultimately you know so yeah it was it was an int- it's an interesting film it, it, and it, again it's it's something that was very refresh refreshing to watch mm-hmm. um so and idella johnson absolutely um when i talked to her she said that this is her first uh feature length film so, oh, wow. you know, congrats, yeah, mm-hmm. congrats to her. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. She um, did a great job. Yeah, because we wouldn't have all these questions if she wasn't doing what she was doing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, yeah. Um, there was another film that I was really um, highly anticipating for at Sundance, and it was good, but it wasn't as good as I had hoped. Oh, no. Um, and that film was passing. Oh, so okay. that that's the film, um, Rebecca Hall's directorial debut starring mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson and um, Ruth Nega uh, based on the novella of the same name. I did not read the novella, so I, I don't know if there were any creative liberties taken or anything of that nature. Right. Maybe one day I'll go and read it. But um I just, I think I had some high expectations and maybe some very different expectations. And probably by me not reading the novella, maybe those expectations would have sh- shifted. I don't know. But um, I don't know. I Here's the thing. The film in and of itself was good. I was just sort of hoping that the film was going to focus more on the social issue of colorism. And it mostly focused on this relationship, this very complicated relationship between Tessa and Ruth's characters. Hmm. Um, Nothing wrong with that, of -hmm. course. I just had a different expectation of the composition of, you know, the film. And um, there was also moments where the film dragged for me. Uh, You know, the pacing was a little slower it's Mm -hmm. very ambiguous at moments and sometimes that ambiguity causes some confusion. Um, you know, the director was very deliberate in making it very nuanced and that's, that's fine. You know, that's a great artistic direction at times, but you don't want it to be so thick that your viewer 
doesn't know they can't follow what you're trying to tell as far as the narrative goes so mm-hmm. i don't know i just i just had hoped for something more um but it overall you know it it, it was it was decent i just thought it could have been better and um you know I don't see this being like an awards movie is my bottom line. I I don't see this being a film that people will be talking about, you know, later on at the end of the year um, in the, the awards conversation. Um, But it'll probably definitely get bought, you know, Netflix or, you know, one of those streaming companies will probably buy it. You know, there's no question it'll get bought, but. Yeah, just because it probably has some of those names behind it, but yeah, yeah, it's, and it it's was interesting. It was yeah, a good movie. yeah, it, yeah. It, it wasn't a terrible film. It just mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't blow me away. Yeah. So. Ah oh, man, it just yeah. passed on by, right? I'll be here all week though. It's fine. <laughs> One of my friends who's also a critic, he was like, he didn't he didn't care for it. He was like, hard pass on passing. I was like. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just we just find all the ways we can just uh relate to this film as we review it all the ways you can use yeah. pass in there yeah yeah um okay well i did have a film that was my favorite okay um it was our hashtag j which is by the way romeo and juliet now okay so i'm gonna start off the top here by saying that we know that the romeo and juliet story has been done a million a billion and one times Mm-hmm. So I know because I know everybody's already thinking, oh, God, I don't need another Romeo and Juliet story. But this one was my favorite and I found interesting with what they were trying to do, especially the time period that we're living in, because it's it was like it's a film through IG, which is crazy. Like the way they shot this film and the way they like I need to give a shout out to the editor. Um, Lamb Wynn, by the way, edited this film along with the director, Kerry Williams, because the way, the amount of time it must have taken him, and Jamie, you know a lot about the editing world, the amount of time it must have taken him to put this together, because I'm talking about, you could see like the top of their IG page, and then you would have to zoom in on the talent to get the, get, to get like their lines and everything. And by the way, they're, they're doing the, um, the Shakespearean dialogue and everything. So you got to follow along with that as well too. So if you're not a fan of that, I mean, they definitely wear that out in this, in this film, they definitely keep it going. But so you, it's one of those things where it's like you ain't you're not looking at your phone, even though it's social media based. You can't look at your phone and understand what they're talking about. I'm just gonna put it like that. So make sure, like, if you're not a fan of that, just go ahead and pass it all together because it's definitely heavy on that. But yeah, it was just I think just like, and I'm just like a techie sort of nerdy person where I'm just like I was just so fascinated in how they put this together. I think is why this was one of my favorite films because it was just like I just can't even imagine being the editor and having to zoom in on like one little piece of copy like somebody messages you or sends you a DM and it's like okay this is a part of the film and then they That's were like awesome. they were having fights with the Montagues and Capulets on an IG live I was like can you imagine that like it's 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 like modern times but it's like IG live watching them and you know people's getting stabbed and stuff so I mean it kind of took a left it took a little bit of right or left but it was still IG live so however you feel but it was just it was crazy I was like they did all of this on social media which like I said I was nerding out hardcore because I just couldn't imagine sitting there trying to put this together because it was it's probably it was probably maybe over an hour of this film was and I was just thinking about go ahead Jamie what are you saying go ahead Jamie oh no no I didn't say anything um but yeah I just Um, thinking about them trying to put all this stuff together is insane to me but yeah it was just crazy how that but yeah I really enjoyed it um Carrie Williams being a black uh black male director 
really um did a lot of play, you know really portrayed the men in this well as far as like you know them being able to show their emotions you know sometimes we think black men can't show them their emotions or men in period so that was mm-hmm. um an interesting take on there very diverse cast so yeah it was it was pretty cool watch so if you want and then um I guess for some of the actors, if you guys are interested, Russell Hornsberry, I know him from Lincoln Heights, but he's been in like a ton of things. He's played like the captain in there. And, um, hate you give. Yeah. Yep. And so, Mm -hmm. but yeah, they had a lot. Diego Tanako, he played Caesar and on my block, all you on my block fans, he was in there, but yeah, they, so they had a lot of, they had a lot of cool names in here. A lot of young people that, uh, try to put this together, which you, you would have to assume because it is IG. So people that were willing to put up with some of this, some of this craziness that was going on. But yeah, I just was, I just thought it was so, um, and Sadiq uh, Sanderson, I don't know him from anywhere. This is my first time seeing him. So if you guys know, or Jamie, I don't, I don't know if you're, um, he played, Mer, uh, Mercicio. I think that's how you pronounce it. Right. And in, in oh yeah. So he played, um, that character did it very well. Cause you know, that's like the humorous kind of character you're waiting for to see what's going to go, you know, the kind of looser character, if you will that I think he played really well in there. Um, and he had a lot of fun moments where um, he actually was like, I mean, he was doing drugs on like IG. So I, don't, I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, but <laughs> it went, a, <laughs> it kind of got, I guess it kind of loosened him up a little bit, I guess as drugs would, but it, I don't know. It was just so many like funny moments, but it was all, it, there were very serious moments too, where you, it gets down to, you know, the idea of Romeo and Juliet and, you know, the forbidden love and, you know, your parent, basically like your parents or your backstory, not pushing something off on you that you don't want, like make it, let you make your own decisions pretty much. So there are, you know, lessons and everything within it, but I just thought it was a really cool way, the way they put this together. Because like I said, we know Romeo and Juliet has been done like a million times. So I thought right. it was cool that they thought of something like this, especially since you can't really be near each other when you're trying, when you're talking about like filming and everything. And I'm wondering I think the term they use, I think it's called like screen life or something like that for some of these films when they do it like this. So I'm wondering if it's like when when everybody's like shooting off their iPhones or shooting off their phones. So with us not being able to be near each other, maybe, I don't know if that's how some of these feature films might go these days. So I thought it was really interesting. That's such a good point that that's probably what, I mean, I don't know. I didn't um, get a chance to see the Q&A with the director, but I wonder if that's the reason why the director took this approach was because of the restrictions due to COVID mm-hmm. and making the film in, you know, this sort of social media format where it's just through IG conversations and text messages and, you know, through, you know, tweets and whatever through this sort of internet digital space that we literally are in now and have been for quite some time but that's such a unique and really creative way to make a film I wonder if that's the reason why he chose to go that route with yeah I'd be curious yeah if you think about yeah Yeah. I'd definitely be curious because I was like wow did he know that this was gonna happen because I don't know how far I'm sure it maybe took him a couple years to do it maybe so I don't know how far in advance but I'm like did he already know something was gonna happen in society where he just perfectly had this film already ready to go (laughs) It's it's interesting too because it's like like you said Romeo and Juliet's been done so many times yeah. and um it's a step up from the I think it was like 1996 97 mm-hmm. the Romeo and Juliet film with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes yeah. where they modernized that but they used the same dialogue mm-hmm. from the Shakespearean play um so I like the way they 
modernized it even more in this film and took it a step further, keeping the dialogue, but then, you know, taking it to, you know, using social media as our new way of communicating. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, brilliant film. Yeah, but yeah, they, and they had like yeah, and they had a lot of heavy like the dialogue is there still very heavy, but I like how they kind of joke about it where sometimes other characters are telling some characters to shut up because it's like what are you talking about? So it's pretty it was pretty funny in that thing. But yeah, they definitely keep the dialogue where you kind of looking like I, I will admit there were some parts of the film where I was like what are they talking about? Like what's happening? Because it's very like you have to get into that Shakespearean dialogue and you got to be able to follow it because it's been a while for me watching any kind of Romeo Juliet stuff so. It was cool to kind of get yeah, but I mean, for the most part, I mean, I guess if any of us went to school, because I think a lot of us get taught uh, mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet in school. That's most true. of us yep, know the yep. story of Romeo and Juliet. So even if you can't follow the Shakespearean dialogue, you know the concept, you know the story about right. the Montague mm-hmm. and Capulets having that beef between each other, the story of forbidden love between Romeo and Juliet, and then the inevitable, you know, suicide between mm-hmm. the two of them. Um so yeah, I, I think uh, people will will get it, but this is this is something that's good for you know not only the millennials but for you know the Gen Z folks out there that know nothing other than social media. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like people, I can imagine those people looking at it like my mom, your mom looking at it like wait, wait, what are they doing now? Like what's going on? Right. Like why are their hearts going up the side of the screen? You know what I mean? Like it would just right. be cool to see like their reaction to it, knowing the story and everything. But yeah, it's very interesting yeah 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 well cool well you know sundance as of this recording um is still happening so there are more films that we have not seen yet um that we won't be able to talk about on this podcast but this podcast will go out on monday and um the festival actually ends on february the 3rd so hopefully those of you that are listening have tickets we'll get tickets to see some of these films um maybe you know tweet at us let us know what films that you plan to watch mm-hmm. uh there, there's other movies that I, I won't go into um but that i also saw that are really good i saw a movie called wild indian that was good i saw actually saw that today mm-hmm. uh that's why i was running late for this recording <laughs> um, <laughs> um great black female director of a documentary called ailey about the life of alvin ailey um uh, this dancer who I had no idea of who he was, but he had a huge uh, influence in the American dance theater community. Um, so um, definitely check out Ailey if, if you do. And if, if you don't get a chance to go to Sundance, you know, keep that on your list for the future. Um, but yeah. And then a film called mass, which was kind of depressing, but incredible performances um, just dealing with, um, parents um, um, dealing with the loss of their son that was killed by um, uh, someone who uh, killed the, they, he was killed in a school shooting um, mm, and okay. they're confronting the parents of the shooter. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So that, that was a pretty tough film. Um, so yeah, really great selections this year. Uh, Sundance is also offering, you know, panels, events, and uh, virtual, you know, conversations and talks. So again, if you have a chance to check out Sundance, by all means, do it. It's 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 a fun festival to be a part of. Um, Ryan, did you have any other films or any other thoughts 
uh about sundance before we wrap up uh no no other films but yeah i just i just enjoyed it because literally one of my if you just have nothing else but time in life i literally could just watch and talk about movies all the time so it was just cool to be this is my first experience doing sundance so it was just cool to see all these different takes even though they didn't answer all my questions <laughs> but you know it was it's cool to just sit down and talk about this so yeah this was fun but yeah definitely check it out and you guys know to let us know we want to know what you're watching because it's still going on so if you got the tickets let us know different films that you're checking out but yeah it's a good time it's, it's very interesting we'll just put it like that like you will not be bored there's some interesting films going on it's so ironic because the first day of sundance uh the night before i live in virginia mm-hmm. and the night before it snowed so it was kind of nice to look outside of my window and see yeah. snow on the ground. And you're not and freezing, like, oh. standing out in it. You're just like, oh, I can just look at it. Observe it. Yeah, but it, I almost felt like I was kind of in my my little park city in my, you know, my home watching my movies and looking outside and seeing snow on the ground. I was like, okay, I'm having a, you know, Sundance experience. So <laughs> that, that was kind of cool seeing uh, yeah. it snow on. Because we, we don't get snow a lot. That, yeah, 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 that's true. So, yeah, that's cool. It was right on time for you to watch the movies. Yeah, it was right on time. The week of Sundance. What do you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed hearing us talk about movies. Oh, by the way, we completely forgot. Uh, there is one movie which is going to be released by Warner Brothers uh, called Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I forgot about that, but let me make sure I bring that up. Huge black film, uh, Shaka King, first time director as well. Huge major black cast, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Mm -hmm. Dominique Fishback. Be on the lookout for an interview from Dominique Fishback from Black Girl Nerds. Uh, That film is also making its premiere at Sundance. I will say that I, I did see it already and it's, fantastic i feel like it's a film that is likely going to get some uh definitely some conversations around oscars or award season um maybe even oscar season as well um but uh i think daniel did a fantastic job i think dominique did a great job and um you know the life of fred hampton was so meaningful and i'm i'm glad that this story is being told and uh it's it's a very very powerful powerful film so um definitely be on the lookout for that one i think that one is premiering on the first of february yeah and um, we are, we have i can't believe i forgot either because i get to talk to the writers so i'm excited but i, I won't give you guys some i'll just tease it up coming for black gunners yeah. that's something else we're doing with them so yeah it'd be cool absolutely so be on the lookout for content from us on judas and the black messiah and that should be it and all and we will chat with you soon bye guys The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.